You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 331 and 332. Here we are again for Fed by Ravens. Glad you're with us. We are really close to completing the Bible in a year. And uh, I had to write a letter, like a Christmas letter out to all these people. And I was, I, I actually got impressed because I realized I had to write it as though the year was over. Yeah. And so I reported that we recorded 182 co- podcasts where we talked about every chapter of the Bible. That's insane. It sounds crazy and like, what are you doing at the beginning of the year? But at the end of the year, you're like, what else did people do in 2018? <laughs> but we're glad you're, whatever time of year you're listening to this, we're glad you're with us. And uh, we are interacting and carrying on the story that God has invited us into, his story. So let's get to it. Oh, a weird chord. Yeah, that's yeah, weird. Because we're, we're in Daniel, and it is a little, uh, a little happier. But you're right. Let's keep it consistent. Old Testament, man. O- o- OT. Our Old Testament reading for today is Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, through chapter 4, verse 18. Yeah, we can't break the theme now. I gave a little extra at the end to give you uh, probably the only blues you've heard all year. All right. Sweet Daniel, chapter 2. He says, take me to the king. And this is the part of chapter 2 we're in, right? Yes, yeah. So he and his friends were on... He and all the wise men yeah. uh, were on die. the chopping block, and Daniel said, hold the phone, and uh, I'm going to ask God to see if we can figure this one out. Yep. And God came through, and so Daniel, pray, after praising him with his friends, goes off and is like, all right, I'm ready. I know what the, I not, I know what the king's dream is, and I know what it means. Boom. So he goes before the king, and he tells him the dream, and the dream is this kind of classic Persian, Babylonian statues that would be all over their country, mm-hmm. uh, kind of idol, idolish looking uh, things, not only idols, but to remind you who's in power. We still have those today, uh, statues. If you remember back in the day, we took down like the statue of Hussein, you know, in oh, yeah. Iraq or something. And it's a similar idea. And those statues are that remind you who's in power. And um, so his dream, he, he's able to say, here's your dream, man. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, mighty statue, and it's made of gold and bronze, and it kind of goes down, right? So the top part is in gold. Mm-hmm. The second part is silver. Uh, silver. Then bronze. Then iron. And then iron and clay. Iron and clay, like which you'll find out represents... Each of these represents, let's just cut to it. So Daniel says, this is what you dreamt about. Yes. And this mountain, this rock that couldn't have been cut out by human hands, destroys this the in, base of this. This image and all of the parts of the image shatter. Just shatter and go to dust. And we're talking about precious metals. This shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. And so this disturbs King Nebuchadnezzar. And then the stone grows into a giant mountain that then covers the entire earth. Right. And so uh, by God's grace, Nebuchadnezzar realizes... Uh, he doesn't yet realize this is a dream from God. Daniel will tell him, look, God gave you this dream because our God reveals mysteries. He doesn't hide them and manipulate yeah, you. And He's actually making his uh, vision and 
dream for the world, like yeah. very clear to everyone. Even to the most powerful leader and kingdom on earth. Yes. He says, here's the vision that even the gold part of this statue is not stronger than the God of the world. Yes. And so that that's even the idea of the mountain, like a natural structure destroying, like the God of the world is bigger than all the kingdoms you've built. And they Daniel straight up says, look, the gold is you. Mm-hmm. You're the gold part of that. And then you can break it down to um, yeah. Persia, Media, Greece, uh, Rome. Rome. And you can try to figure all that out. But the overwhelming idea is God is over the world. God's going to establish a eternal kingdom yeah. that is better than all the kingdoms of the earth. And I think he even says that the rock yes. is... What did he say the rock is? I thought it was the... Um, I thought he even says it's like the son of God or yeah. something. Yeah, well, it, the idea is clearly um, that there's a, a kingdom of God coming. Mm-hmm. And it's not cut by man, and it's going to introduce a new kingdom, a kingdom that is eternal and can never be, like you can't destroy a mountain. Yes. And so we know that stone not cut from human hands is Christ, and he will break all the kingdoms. And if you carry it out to what we know now, it's like Christ really has broken down all kingdoms so that mm-hmm. we just had some girls who uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ going to Africa to... Uh, present the Jesus film, like all borders, all nations are under the reign of Christ. They yes. have pockets of mm-hmm. that. He's literally has kept his promise. The son of God has overwhelmed all rulers and continues to reign 2000 years later. It's pretty cool. But Nebuchadnezzar's answer is, and th- in today's reading, you see Nebuchadnezzar confess our God. Yeah. He goes three different t- ways. He's like all over. So he says, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of Kings and a revealer of mysteries You've been able to reveal this mystery. And then Daniel's like, when you know God and you start to push into that relationship, Daniel is quick to go, oh, yeah, it's not me. It's not my wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's This is who our God is. Yeah. And he just told me this, which is how we, when we get opportunities to share the gospel, that's how it goes. Like, how did you know my life is hurting? And how did you know that's the answer? You're awesome. No, no, no. You don't bow to me. Yeah. You don't worship me. You don't, I'm not the wise person. I simply have, God has revealed and given me this faith, and I'm telling you, mm-hmm. we go to him with our dreams and with everything. And so right. um, that's the first real movement of any outside king since, I don't know, since Nineveh or something that has yeah. kind of started to confess your yeah, God. Yeah, so Assyria is, is before great. Babylon. But this is what happens even in our lives, right? You witness to a friend, or you tell, and you see something great happen. Yep. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. You have family members, or they weren't saved. Now they're saved. They confessed. I mean, they don't understand everything, and that's okay. And then at some point, and then they go. At some point, they build a statue of themselves made of pure gold, about ninety feet tall and nine feet wide, and demand everyone (laughs) bow to it. And you're like, wait, I thought we were cool. I thought you were saved. Yeah. So I was thinking about this one because so it goes from. Daniel revealing this dream and revealing that God is over all kingdoms, that Nebuchadnezzar will, like all he, all of his, all the kingdoms after him will be destroyed and amount to nothing compared to the kingdom that God's going to set up. And he like honors Daniel, he honors Daniel's God. He puts Daniel yeah. over the entire province of Babylon. Oh, he assigns his three buddies mm-hmm. too to be in, in a 
authoritative positions, yeah. like high level. So now, like all of a sudden, these Jewish exiles who are like a year into their exile, right? Four of them are now major players in the Babylonian government in the political scene, which does yeah. not make the native Babylonians mm. yeah, very the happy. Chaldeans. They are not happy about this, and so. I was thinking, though, like, because all of a sudden we get to chapter three, and it just, like, jump cuts. I couldn't figure out the time on that. Yeah. It's not clear. But it jump cuts to, oh, he's going to make this giant statue, gold statue. And so I'm going, oh, you know what? The one thing he probably took away was when Daniel says, the gold head is you and your kingdom, and none of the other kingdoms will compare to you. And he's like, oh, okay. And so what does he do? He makes a giant gold statue, and it could be of... Nebuchadnezzar, but it was probably of Bel, yeah. their god. And so he sets this up, and he's like, look, I'm going to be the greatest kingdom uh, on the earth, so you better worship and get behind this. And I've never thought about this until right now, but there is a process to, uh, when you're the person not saved, to yeah. hearing the gospel and to responding to it. And and I even think of Jesus saying, like, when you cast the word out, yeah. sometimes it'll take root and then die. The, the roots won't be good mm-hmm. or the, heat, the birds will take it. Like, that's going to happen when you cast out the word. So Daniel casts out the word of God. He sees a miracle. Or miracle is he knew the dream. Yep. And Nebuchadnezzar is wooed by that, but doesn't fully bow to it yet. And mm-hmm. so what happens is when you meet Christ on your journey, you start to discover your 90-foot idols yeah and you're still uh being so there might be just i don't know if nebuchadnezzar was saved at that point it doesn't seem like it but things had started to move for him and there's a process of sanctification where it's time to start getting rid of these idols and so um that's just kind of a spiritual take to it that's connecting to me right now yeah but the story goes that he builds this thing and says everybody bow to it probably thinking like you're saying Let's get everyone unified mm-hmm. and make it all of gold. Yeah, we're we're the golden era, so let's do this thing. Yeah, Are you guys one. on board? It's and Camelot right now. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, and then so basically everyone that's primarily listed is government officials are supposed to be the ones who are paying homage and saying, we are under you, Nebuchadnezzar. We are following you and your rule and your reign. And whatever you bow to, we bow to. And so remember, too, that... I like that political leaders, they're leading the way, mm-hmm. are bowing. That's why they notice Daniel. It's not like, um, in the past, I don't know if it's like children's renditions of this, but it's like people spying on Daniel or something, but it's more of, he's a leader, mm-hmm. and we're mad about that, because he's an, I mean, we we should be, he should be our slaves. Yeah, we, just, so, we just conquered their nation. And when a slave doesn't conform, mm-hmm. we make an example. Yeah, so we don't know. Daniel is absent in this story, but his three friends are around, and they're in important positions, and the Chaldeans are Shadrach, Meshach, uh, and not about this. Yeah. And so uh, after this decree, they quickly um, are, go to Nebuchadnezzar and uh, report on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, hey, uh, we noticed uh, the Judeans don't seem to worship the gods you worship, and they're not bowing to your statue. What do you think about that? Yeah. And so he says, bring them to me. He figures he looks at them in the face and they'll bow because they'll be yeah. scared like a normal person. Like, don't kill me. Don't kill me. And I know these guys. And I like to refer to them because I was thinking, I don't want to think of them with their Babylonian names. And so I was like, what's their names again? Hananiah. 
Ananias, Azarias, and Misael. Yes. And so they come before him, and they pull what reminded me of um, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Yeah. I think I mentioned this the other day. Like, who stopped talking about Jesus? And they're like, we have to obey God, not man. Mm -hmm. And they basically said, you know what? Um, Our God is able. Yeah, because Nebuchadnezzar goes, hey, I'm giving you a chance right now. So... Who's the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Out of my hands. I'm I'm the guy right now. I'm yeah. the God. And I, if you don't worship the way I tell you to worship, I'm going to send you to judgment. I'm going to cast you into a fiery furnace. Like a kiln, because they're making a lot of clay pots. And so he, as I was reading this, I was, for me, I was going, oh man, he is acting as if he were God, saying, if you don't bow down and worship me, I will send you to hell. It's a judgment slash salvation moment. Yeah. You either bow to me and receive salvation from me, or you receive judgment from me. Yeah, and who's going to save you? And so they very firmly say, oh, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to you. Right. So immediately he says, throw him in the fiery furnace after heating it up as hot as we can get it. Yes. To the point where the guards taking them to the furnace die. Die. Throwing them in. And uh, they they get cast in. Nebuchadnezzar is like watching and jumps up and realizes, what? They're walking around and there's four of them in there and one of them looks like the son of the gods. Right. Which is uh, kind of cool. Like, could be an angel. Could also be Jesus. Kind of a fun little, like... If it's... So the two ways are... And we can't, you don't get caught up on, is it an angel or is it Jesus? It actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God can send an angel in there because we do have mm-hmm. angels assigned to protect us because God is our God. Uh, or it could be Jesus. And either way, the, the main idea here is that they were saved in the fire. Yeah. Which is a lot different from what we always ask God, which is save us from the fire. Mm-hmm. God's like, no, you, you can walk through this mm-hmm. and I will jump in the pit with you. Invite me into the furnace yeah. of your life. And God shows up, and he may not always. A lot of people died yeah. uh, because of Nebuchadnezzar, but God will join you. And if you did die, he joins you in death mm-hmm. and raises you up. So, But the, the beautiful idea is you saved them in the fire. It reminded me of the burning bush. Right. Like, how did they... The burning bush was not consumed by mm-hmm. fire. These guys were... Not only were they not consumed, because I had a moment like, did they come out naked? Like, did right. everything burn except them? And then I realized, oh, Adam, you're trying to figure this out rationally or whatever. Right. And it says, the Bible says that not a hair was singed on their head. Their clothes weren't, they didn't even smell like smoke. Yeah, the implication actually is that the only thing that burned were the, their, uh, the ropes and things that were binding them. The, oh, man. Like, I, those burned, and they were able to walk right out. And I don't know if you've ever been to a bonfire, but in, when I lived yeah. in England, we had a big English bonfire. Oh, yeah. If you're near a bonfire, you reek. And I will reek, and I lost, like, I don't have much of eyebrows anyway, <laughs> and, but my eyebrows and my eyelashes were all singed. Everything on my, the hair of my arms was all yes, singed. Yes. It was like the end of little ropes. All, I'm like, what happened? Because I was like 19. <laughs> 19 years old, being a cool, tough guy, like, I'm going to throw stuff in the fire, and I'm getting burned. Yeah. So when I read this, I'm thinking, that's pretty funny. And amazing. So you get a miracle, a second miracle, but this one is even bigger than the dream. Yes. Although, really, in reality, they're both yeah. equally amazing. But I was just thinking, a miracle in exile. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty great. Like God's pretty great. God gives us miracles while in exile or leaving Egypt, or you think mm-hmm. about when he does these things, or going into battle. It's uh, in these dire times, and he, he shows up. Why? Because he cares for his people. Yeah. He cares for his name on the people. He cares for the inheritance of the people. He cares for you. So they, they walk out unscathed, and the thing that the Chaldeans did not want to happen... It happens. It, like, Neb doubles down and promotes them even further... Oh, that's why this is this is even bigger than the mm-hmm. like. So the bigger miracle here is that uh, the God of Israel, Judah mm-hmm. or Judeans, their religion becomes like legal, endorsed, no longer open to <clears throat> uh, outward opposition. Like, yes, it's no longer a foreigner's God that we have conquered and killed. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, their God is actually real, and now we must respect it, which lasts all the way up to Jesus. I mean, people yes. live in Babylon. Yes after even returning from exile, mm-hmm. because the religion, I mean, you hear about it in Esther. Yeah, even. yeah. So it, <clears throat> it's thriving, it's legal. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar gives a public speech endorsing it and saying, like, this God is the God of gods. Like, we have to respect him, and if anyone speaks ill of this God, they will be put to death. Yeah, like, that is even more of a miracle. Can you imagine, I mean... And they're like, this Ameri- is early in the exile. And this is hard for us because if, we're, if you're American, you know, we're a melting pot. And mm-hmm. so we allow, but even then we've assimilated people to speak our language, yes. to pledge allegiance to our flag. Like, and so back in these days, the assimilation process is fierce. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's cruel because that's just how it is. Like you are our we've captured you, so you assimilate to us. So the fact that God has now uh, made it not only legal, but endorsed it, is that's often lost, I think. I I, think at least so. for me, because I'm yeah. so uh, enamored with the fire thing. Like, yeah. oh, I can relate to that. But man, your religion has just been made legit. Yeah. Pray, that, that is a miracle of God. Yeah. And that's going to work. That's the main work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- again, if you're looking at Daniel as, like, this is from the political side of things mm-hmm. on the foreign government and you see God totally working within this government and so it's not too surprising that he's working here with uh, the Babylonians who he has set aside to punish his uh, rebellious children right. so he is working mightily within them going uh, I'm with you and so I'm going to speak with you and I'm going to show you things and so uh, so we get again a, a second dream well God's in control of even our government. Yes. That's, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Just take a moment to go, take a deep breath. God has people, God has faithful people, and he has control over even mm-hmm. the most corrupt governments. But yes, another dream. So he sees another dream, and the dream is of a giant, mighty tree, uh, which it's very similar to language that uh, Jeremiah and some of the other prophets have used about Israel or about right. the root of David. Uh and but this one, oh, I guess we don't get the interpretation. But no, the idea, the intro, the idea though is this: there's this giant, beautiful tree which all the nations come under and are shaded and are given fruit and protection. But the tree is ordered by an angel to be chopped down, um, almost to its root, to a stump, and like bronzed over and capped well, up. Well, the okay, so I was reading about that because then yeah. the stump is. Um, wrapped in bands of bronze and yeah. iron. Yeah. And it's actually a preservation technique oh. to keep the stump from dying. Nice. Good find. And so it's 
it is uh, bronzed over, but then it's like the dew of the earth will fall over it, and it'll be given... Uh, it says, let his portion be with the beasts of, in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and given the be- mind of a beast, and uh, that he'll be like that for seven times. Like seven... seven well, seasons or... seasons or something. We're not totally sure because we don't have the uh, interpretation yet. Oh. Uh, and this idea, though, so Nebuchadnezzar is super disturbed by this. And yes. he's like recognizing, like, mm, is this about me? Yes. <laughs> and it, it's going to be 100% about him. And, and so he goes through all the wise men. None of them are giving him anything. So then he turns to Daniel and says, Daniel, uh, What's my dream? What's my dream? Because I know you have the spirit of God in you. Which is pretty cool. God's still working on Nebi. Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. I call him Nebi. Nebipot? <laughs> no. That's oh. disturbing. I've used that so many times <laughs> that I immediately think of water through my nose. Um, so what you see, though, is, and spoiler alert for tomorrow, is going to be basically dominated by God to the, to the point where he becomes what? like No, mental. don't spoil it. Okay, he becomes an animal. Ah! Uh, all right. So we see, though, this to me, for today's reading at least, is, again, God has control over the political landscape. Mm-hmm. He has control over the emotional, spiritual landscape of the leaders. He's using Daniel, who's just faithful, to reveal the mysteries. It's right. Daniel's not thinking. And the message for us is not like, be like Daniel, in all these different ways, mm-hmm. the only message is have the faith of Daniel. Right. Just have the faith that the people of God are given that's been revealed to them. Hold on to that faith, which will lead us perfectly into Second Peter today. All right. Our New Testament reading for today is Second Peter chapter 1 and 2. So, new book alert. Right? Yeah. New okay. book. I was trying to it see. scared me for a second. I know it's the same think, name. Well, I was going to do like a like a klaxon, like, but then I decided not to, but then I just decided to do it. I don't understand any of the noises coming from your mouth. It was a new book alert. Okay. That, that I understand. <laughs> same name, different book. Yeah. So, we get right into Peter, and uh, chapter, uh, not chapter, Second Peter, mm-hmm. um, people always like to dispute if he wrote it or not. We believe he did. Yes. He starts off, he's a, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's maintaining his apostleship. And throughout this little letter, he's going to reference things that Peter re- was there for. Yeah. So. Which is pretty cool. Um, again, though, the context, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just bumped into Matt here. Don't you touch me. I know. <laughs> My bad. We have a rule. <laughs> no touching during... Uh, Okay, moving on. But again, he's addressing, it's towards the end of Peter's life, he's addressing uh, maybe not newly baptized people, but new communities of faith around Mm -hmm. Jesus. And so you're going to see like the predictable, we call them general epistles, because they're not from Paul. There's Pauline epistles and then general epistles. And in the general epistle written by Peter, it's the theme of what do we do while we're waiting for Christ's return? Right. And so you have to understand that they believed, as we do, Christ is coming back for us. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to not believe that, especially based on what we're reading in Ezekiel yeah. and all these things. Um, it's right in line with God's character and his word and his prophets. 
And so he's saying, here is the deal. Um, you got to make your calling and election sure. Now, if you read these things out of context, Oof, yeah. it will sound like it's all works righteousness. Mm-hmm. But we know better. And, and actually, it's right there. It's written very clearly that um, in chapter one, it's his divine power. Mm-hmm. His divine power has granted you faith. And, um, and I'll get into more. There's, well, in verse four, he's like, we are partakers of the divine nature. He wants to establish us firmly in the work of Christ. Right. The only thing that we need to do it goes back to Abraham. You believed God, and it was counted to you as righteousness. Yes. So he's saying, you have believed. You trust mm-hmm. the Lord. Now you get Christ's righteousness. It's not about your righteousness for salvation. So therefore, here's what you do. You hold on, because your faith can weaken. You can start to doubt. You can start to walk away and take mm-hmm. things. So well, how do I hold on? Well, before you get any I further, I, I do like how it starts uh, when he, in the greeting, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours I know. by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And so he's writing to uh, all who believe in Jesus and anyone who just believes in Jesus has a righteousness that's equal to the apostles. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Is equal like, to the apostles. How do we hold on to our faith that can weaken? Well, I'm glad you asked. You gather around Christ. You hold on to Christ. He is our righteousness. This is what the apostles, the patriarchs, the kings, the priests, the prophets do, and we are no different. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I are no different than Peter. Right. It's just like Daniel. It's like, it's not me, man. It's right. God reveals. He's given us. He's opened our eyes, given us a heart of flesh. And so now we're partakers of the divine nature. He literally says that mm-hmm. in a literal, I'm using literally much different than my teenage daughters. Okay. Um, I'm using it in its truest form. He writes, you are partakers of this. You've escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Like you have, you're going to walk through the fire. Mm -hmm. So gather, trust, hold on to, decorate your house and life with these things. Like I've been decorating for Christmas. So it's like you gather around the word of God, the sacraments of God, the people of God and hold on. That is your righteousness. That, yes, Jesus is your righteousness. And he's like, I want you to remember that because I'm, I, it's been revealed to me that I'm going to be leaving soon. And I want you to know that even when I'm gone, that you're still looking to Jesus. You're not looking to my experience. You're not looking to anyone else. You're looking to Christ because it's his righteousness. And, and then what's the confusing part? If you just use this book as a proof text, you'll see he says things like, you know, uh, make every effort to support supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and those are all good things right right he's not saying you're saved by that like this is proof of your salvation he's like saying you are saved and so now decorate like put these things on Mm -hmm. christ has them for you put them on why so that you can be effective in knowing christ yeah because if you don't know, because again, he points back to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, know him, grow in this relationship. Whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. He's blind, having forgotten, this is a key verse, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Mm-hmm. See, like, what Peter's saying is, if you're not and actively going, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, help me. I want to gather around yeah. your word. Remind forgive me. me. Forgive me. Have I, mercy. I, I believe that I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. I love you today, Lord. He goes, your former sins will haunt you mm-hmm. your whole life. They will haunt you. And here's how they'll haunt you. Oh, you think you're a good Christian now? Right. Oh, you made a decision for Christ, and you said, oh, I'm not going to do this, and you judge someone else, and now you're doing it again. Mm-hmm. 
you can't trust. You made a decision for Christ. You've also made a decision to leave Christ. Mm-hmm. Or and, sin, yeah. And that will leave you forgetting and blind to the realities that you are partaker of the divine nature of Christ by faith in Christ. So practice knowing that. That's why he says all this, practice these qualities and mm-hmm. you will never fall. Yeah, because then the big thing of Second Peter, uh, last part of chapter one and all of chapter two is you need to anchor on that this whole yes. righteousness, this way to uh, eternal life is through Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's only by him, not your, not your good works, not your decisions. It's through Christ because everyone else in the world will tell you something different. Right. Everyone else in the world will tell you that there's other ways, that you need to do other things, that it is on you, that it's on someone else. And they're going to pull you away from Jesus. Well, and the decision... The decisions that we make is we've it's been revealed to us that Jesus gives us his righteousness. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I want that. Yes. And and want that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll you'll have full assurance. He does say in, in verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Right. So this you gotta think, he's reminding me of who you are, yes. and then of now what this life looks like. So put those things on because here's who you are. They're available to mm-hmm. you. The world can't just say, Oh, I want to be self-controlled. The world can't just say, I'm going to be steadfast and godly and loving. You can't just do that. You, right. It has to be provided for you, and it is. So now you get to put it on by God's help. Mm-hmm. And I just want to remind you of that. And then he, he tags on at the end, like, we have Christ's glory. Mm-hmm. He reminds us he was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. He heard the voice of God right. say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And he reminds us that the scriptures is not made up. Right. He has to remind us to hang on to the scriptures because in chapter two, he's like, look, the false prophets and teachers are rampant. And, and ironically, these false prophets, they don't know how to save you. God right. knows how to save you. The Lord knows how to save. And he gives examples about Lot and Noah. And he actually is talking about the end times a lot because he's yeah. saying, I want you to know that God is just like Nebuchadnezzar. There's a moment where it's like you go into the furnace or you're set apart and saved. Right. Like, there is judgment coming, and you're either going to be in the boat with Noah, saved from the flood, or you're going to be out in the on the earth being drowned with everyone else. And judgment is completely avoidable. Right. You're Christ. either going to be fleeing the city, like Lot, or you're going to be in it burned up and turned to salt. And here's what the world is doing. They are like irrational animals. Mm-hmm. They're just devouring, destroying, uh, fulfilling every little carnal desire they have because Mm -hmm. they're like animals right and he goes you're not like that right um they promise freedom but are slaves these false teachers they're slaves of their own sin nature and then at the end he's like look what's really bad is that if you've you've come to know this Mm -hmm. and then you stop gathering around my word you stop confessing me you can fade away like he actually uses he goes the true proverb says as it says uh, the dog returns to its own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. He's concerned about them... Walking away from the faith. Right. It reminded me of Jesus when he said, uh, you, you clean the house of demons, but mm-hmm. if you don't fill it, yeah. seven more will come. Yes. And so that's how he's saying to these, new, these converts in Christianity, we're waiting, keep the hope of waiting for Christ to return. He will. Trust him. You will not be ashamed for mm-hmm. trusting him lest you go back to your old way of living, searching right. for freedom, but in really going back to slavery. Yes. Fill it now with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Cling to that. How do you cling to that? Man, you put it on. 
where when it's being preached, mm-hmm. gather with the people, gather around the word, because the Lord knows how to save, and you need to be saved. Boom. Thanks, Peter. Our psalm for today is Psalm 135, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations, killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.